and so i wasn't really born into a very uh, comfortable environment so i was like you said you know running away from comfort zone but i was <laughs> i mean i was born outside the comfort zone so uh, so my goal from the beginning was to get to the comfort zone hello everybody and welcome to running from comfort today's show we have ungard as our guest ungard originally grew up in india and his story really begins before he was born so his parents ran a successful business they were quite wealthy you know they had a big mansion and unfortunately terrorism happened to hit um, their hometown roughly around the time before ungard was born this led to a situation where his parents had to flee they became refugees in their own country and they lost everything so Ungard grew up in quite poorer circumstances and it really shaped his worldview and his perspective on life and you know he's always lived outside the comfort zone. So what I talk to Ungard about today is we really I really go through his life story and I'm trying to pinpoint what his mindset is and where it's at during different parts of this story. As well as that, we also talk about some other things such as Ungard is fluent in nine languages. So we talk about that for a little while. And then we also just talk about, you know, giving to other people and being thankful. And something that Ungard said to me on the phone before we had this interview that really stuck with me, which is just so true. And that is life is a gift. And that's what I want to leave everybody with today. Just remember at the end of the day, no matter what you're going through, no matter how hard life gets, there's always going to be better days on the horizon. And if you want something to be thankful for, just be thankful that you're alive today because life is a gift. So go out there and live your life to the absolute fullest. And also, I hope that today's show, you might be able to gain a bit of a different perspective on life. I certainly did sitting down having this conversation with Ungard. It really opened my mind as to what it's like to grow up on the other side of the world. So, I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And if you do, do not forget to share it with somebody you know. And make sure that you give it a rating and review. That would mean the absolute world to me. Now, enjoy today's show, guys. Hello and welcome. This is episode three of Running From Comfort. I'm sitting here across the table from a man. His name is Ungard. Ungard, would you like to introduce yourself to the people? Uh, hello, my name is Ungard. Uh, I'm from India uh, and I'm studying here at Monash. Uh, this is my uh, final semester. And uh, on the side, I have a small business. Uh, for, uh, I do IT consulting with a friend of mine. A small, small business we set up a month ago. And uh, we, we just help small to mid-sized businesses grow uh, and get their business back on track or if they have any trouble with running their businesses we just help them in terms of business consulting and IT consulting and yeah we have just, we just hit our eighth client and uh, yeah it's going good so far so one month eight clients yeah doing well I would say for a startup oh, thank you're, you <laughs> you're doing you're doing really well and as well what were you studying again uh, I'm, I'm pursuing masters of business information systems Masters of Business Information Systems, and what more specifically does that entail? Like what? Uh, it's 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 more about the uh, the uh, the uh, the governance side, the governance and management and business side of IT. I mean, there is there is one side where you talk about coding and what technologies to be brought into use and stuff like that. But then there is another part of IT, the other side of the coin, that talks about uh, how do you govern these things, how do you build governance frameworks, and how do you keep keep things running, keep the show running. And uh, make sure you sort of monetize the technology to its uh, maximum potential and stuff like that. Or you, if you, you have to put in policing frameworks and governance frameworks around technologies. That's that's what the uh, the VIS side of uh, uh, IT is about. 
Yeah, so another way, maybe a more simple way of saying that might be making sure a business stays afloat, making sure it has policies yep. in place. To exactly, policy stuff, yeah. Yeah, okay. No, that's really interesting stuff, and yeah. I'm sure learning all of that is going to help your business grow. I hope it does. <laughs> but I'm sure you'll be ready in case, you know, that that, fa- that punch in the face called failure, I mean, that might come hit you, but <laughs> in, we all, I think we all know, or I don't know, maybe me, we might understand, but I'm sure a lot of people understand that, you know, when you take that punch... Yeah, it just makes you stronger. Exactly right. If, if it doesn't kill you, it'll make so, you stronger. So since you're only a month into your business, are you ready for that punch? Are you waiting for it to come hit you yet? or yeah? uh, I, I wouldn't want to get punched too early. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah sure. I mean, it's, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to happen one day. But yeah, uh, see, getting punched in the face is one thing. But if you can prevent that punch, that's even better. Well, look, if, if you can avoid that, if you can dodge that punch, that's even better. Yeah, definitely you want to avoid the punches. But I mean, in life, I suppose, I mean, business or in anything, the punches are, you know, you can't avoid them. It's more about a matter of how you respond to that. And from, exactly. what, from what I know about your story, which you're about to share with the people, I mean, you're a man who's taken a lot of punches in life. Oh, yeah, <laughs> a fair share of punches. You, you've, seen, you've, seen, you've seen a fair bit and you're still here, you're still standing. And yeah. I imagine you're as strong as what you ever be. I mean, how old are you? You're still young, aren't you? Uh, 28. 28. Okay, yeah, still quite young. Maybe slightly older than me, but <laughs> <laughs> we can we can celebrate your thirtieth with a receding hairline at some point. Anyway, <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Ungard has a very good hairline, people. Mine, not so much. That's why I had to. No, he's just messing. He has the most perfect hair ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. These people have probably seen my Instagram. They they know my hairline's gone way too far uh, back. All right, but anyways, um, all right. I think we should just get started on this yeah. story. Um. Where, where would you like to start this story? Where, where do you think, you know, your story kind of begins if you were to tell it? So, I think it, it all began uh, from me hearing the first story about uh, why we didn't have a home in the first place. Uh, I think I was uh, five or four and a half or five, something like that. And uh, I heard my grandfather talk to my parents about, you know, uh, how things were nice and everything was like all hunky-dory back in the day and I was like what are you talking about we we had a big house and stuff like that what are you talking about we had a business and stuff and they were talking about how they had a beautiful big business and how they had a four-story mansion and everything and all that and I was like I never saw all that what are you talking about and then they told the whole story about you know how they had to leave their home and shift to a different place or sort of migrate to a different place and uh, we were refugees for over quite a long time and we had to seek refuge and run away from a situation that that made us leave our homes which was terrorism uh, in, our, in my case and uh, things were bad uh, and this was somewhere around in, 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 the, in the early 90s the late 80s early 90s period when there was when terrorism was at its peak in Kashmir that's where I'm from my hometown in where sir? Kashmir Kashmir yeah Kashmir uh, so then that's that's where uh, all this was happening and the terrorism was at its peak uh, in in uh, the later half of 1889 and the first half of 1990 uh, and so we had to leave it was just that that place was just unlivable you could not li- you could not live there you, you 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 could if someone walks out of the door you're not sure if they're going to come back in the evening that's how bad it was it's really? someone getting shot like things blowing up around you somebody getting shot every day Bunch of people, group of people getting shot at once. It was bad. It was really bad. And how much of this did you live through yourself? Like, how much of this did you see firsthand? Uh, luckily, none of it. I was uh, fortunate. I don't know. Uh, well, not exactly fortunate, but yeah, I, I, I didn't get to see uh, any of this firsthand. Because when all this was happening, my 
my mother was uh, expecting me so she was 3 months into her pregnancy when when all this was happening and that's when they had to uh, flee from the area they had to leave the area and then shift to a new place uh, and when i was born that was like say, and i wasn't really born in very uh, hygienic circum or hygienic or healthy circumstances i was born in a very small hospital we had a, we had a huge massive money crunch so we had to do whatever possible to make ends meet and stuff and you know and so i wasn't really born into a very uh, comfortable environment so i was like you said you know running away from comfort zone but i was <laughs> i mean i was born outside the comfort zone so uh, so my goal from the beginning was to get to the comfort zone yeah so and i think i mean i imagine like you know a lot of people their goal in life is to become more comfortable but i think a lot of us we kind of already live yeah relatively comfortable lives but i want to so i want to just take you back a little bit so roughly what age were you when you started asking these questions because i'm just trying to imagine so you're already in a scenario where i'm imagining you don't have a lot so you know mm-hmm. your parents they've escaped you know they've become refugees mm-hmm. and now you're at a point where you're sitting there thinking like you know your parents are telling these stories about you know the businesses the mansions and you're looking around saying we don't have any of that stuff exactly what kind of age were you then i think i was i think this was uh, I, i was in, i was in first standard so i was 5 uh, i was 5 years old and uh, the thing about uh, you know at that that the, the age of 5 is you you have you see you observe your environment a lot you you are you, your the way you perceive things the way you uh, grasp things or the way you look at things uh, it's uh, and your retention power or uh, your absorption power is at its peak at that age because you your brain has just started working and you know your brain has just gained some few extra brain cells and you're like hey what's all this i mean all this information coming in and then you see around you and you see kids happy kids playing and stuff kids having all the proper clothes that the five year old should have all all the toys a five year old should have all all the basic amenities a five year old should have and then you look at yourself and you don't exactly have all of that so you start asking questions like if somebody if if the guy next door has it why don't i and then that's when you look, go back to me like dad why, why mom dad why do why do i not have those fancy shoes or why do i not have that fancy uh, sport equipment i mean what's what's wrong with us so like he's saying the other children around you had a lot of things yeah. but you didn't so exactly if you want to maybe talk a little bit maybe about like what were your living conditions like at home okay so when we when we migrated out of out of kashmir uh, for the first few months we were living in migration camps which was basically just a tarpaulin uh camp that's it uh, just a what sorry a tarpaulin oh like a tarp yeah. yeah a tarp camp yeah exactly like that so yeah so sanitation all those hygiene and stuff out of the window none of that so people going and defecating in public uh, in, the, in sorry in the open uh, in the fields or whatever so sanitation was wasn't exactly uh, you know uh, a grade and uh, so yeah the first 3 months were like that and then uh, dad uh, went about and sort of found a more concrete uh, more uh, stable living uh, uh, environment and we we moved into a house uh, as tenants uh, we found a rented place uh, the, the landlord was nice so you know he didn't bother us much and stuff like that and he knew what had happened so he was quite sympathetic about it he was he had some sympathy and and empathy towards us and uh, so the, that living condition was really horrible we just had a small kitchen a very very small kitchen uh, and uh, all of us were living in in a, in a 10 by 11 room a 10 by 11 room yeah and how many people were living in that uh, room five five people yeah 
And was so when you say a 10 by 11, was that like the entirety of the whole place? Yep. Yep. So kitchen. All of it. Lounge room. Yep. Bedroom. So is it all, all kind of in one then? Or? Yep. Wow. Yep. And what, so did you have like any mattresses or anything to sleep on? No. Nothing? <laughs> nothing. Just the floor? Just the floor. Yeah, wow. What about blankets? Uh, we had some because when we left Kashmir, we, we took all these basic stuff with us. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's all we had. That's all we had. We just had few, uh, few blankets and clothes and utensils and stuff like that and dishes and all that. That's it. Yeah. Just, just the basic stuff. Just, just the basic things to keep you going. And okay. So, and you're going, so when you started going to school, you were going to school with kids that had more things exactly. than you. Yeah. Exactly. And how did you feel seeing all the other kids? everything else i mean at first i was like uh i felt uh, i guess uh, a mix uh, it was a mixed feeling it was, it was a mixture of jealousy and sadness <laughs> mm-hmm. i was uh, i mean i wouldn't say jealousy exactly but uh, a feeling of uh, why do i not have this or what's wrong with me why, what's wrong with my life i mean he i'm, I'm smarter than them uh, i can do things better than them and why do they get to have all these good things and not me uh so yeah i mean it was it was a mix of uh, a little bit of uh, i don't know i was a bit furious as well uh and there was a mix of you know like i said uh, jealousy and sadness yeah and i suppose so you had a mixture of like that jealousy and sadness which i can definitely i, I wouldn't say jealousy exactly but you know as a kid you have that like yeah. you have that little feeling in you like why do i not have it i need to have it too i mean yeah that feeling i don't know if jealousy is, is, is exactly the word for that yeah but i mean i suppose it would be naturally it would be kind of um yeah it makes you envious yeah it makes you a little bit envious, it makes you envious yeah. like why you know why do you not have it and was there was there a moment where maybe that mind shift switched a little bit or no 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 that stayed that sta- that stayed with me uh, till uh, till I think sixth grade uh, I I felt like that for for the first uh, seven eight like yeah, for the first eleven eleven twelve years of my life first eleven years of your life yeah. like that yeah and then um, I suppose when did you start to change that mindset and what started shifting that for you what did you was there anything you decided that you were going to do or no i just made peace with it i just made peace with the fact that uh, this is how it's going to be and then then there's something that my dad kept telling me he's like if you want something in life you have to earn it because him having uh, lost him having had to lose all that he had you know all that house that business and stuff and not just my father my grandfather my uncle my auntie my mother uh, and obviously my mother's family because we were all living in the same vicinity and we all had to leave and like him having had to lose all that uh, he learned a lot from that and he and he and he made sure that he sort of uh, you know he gave those values to me he passed on those values to me and he said like you know if you if you if you really see something really fancy and shiny and you want it you have to own it there is no easy way it's, it's not like you just say it and it's gonna it's, there's no there's no aladdin's lamp there's no genie it's going to show up and you're going to say like, hey, you can't make a wish and it's going to happen. You have to put in efforts, you have to put in miles, you have to put in certain yards to get things done. You just you just can't open your mouth and say, hey, I want this and it's going to just poof, appear in front of you. It's not going to happen. That's not how life works. And and this was and this is really hard for a father to say to a kid who is just seven. It, I, I can't even imagine. If I had to say this to my son who is seven, I, I don't think I would be able to fathom the guts to say that my I don't know my father had to uh, say those things to me when I was seven and he told me like if you really want something in life you have to own it 
You see, and just for a different kind. And of yeah, mind. that's that's when <laughs> sorry, and that's when that's when the mind mindset shifted. I'm like, okay, fine, I think yeah. I'll just put in efforts then. And he 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 made this environment in house. He's like, he he kept his reward points for me. And like everything, every time I do something good, he would. uh you know sort of reward me with something like you no know, if i if i do the dishes on time i get a candy or 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 a cent or a rupee or whatever and uh so yeah that sort of helped me understand how the value of things you know things don't come easy in life you know that's that sort of helped me understand uh, why things why things around you are valuable and why you should uh value them and they worth basically things around you are worth something they just they just don't come around for free yeah wow and I mean, I guess that's a good. I think that's a good strategy there that your father used. We had the reward strategy. I mean, definitely what I've learned from people like, let's say, Jordan Peterson is you can't necessarily be a tyrant. You always you have to have a reward system whether exactly. you want to improve yourself or whether you know you've got like a child or something and you want to try and teach them something. But just I wanted to offer just another perspective. So I mean, very early on at seven years old, you know, your dad's telling if you want something, go out and get it. I'm just going to briefly just cut in there and say when I was about seven years old, now my parents did a decent job of you know teaching me that I have to earn what I want in life. At the same time, they did spoil me a lot, and I was <laughs> I was very good at manipulating kind of my parents for what I wanted. So at seven years old, if I wanted something, I wasn't working hard for it. The only thing I was working hard on was my sales pitch to my dad as to why he <laughs> has to buy this for me. <laughs> so, and that, I think that's a bit more of the Western lifestyle. I think um, when we grow up over here, we're kind of born into a lot more wealth. We're born with a lot more things, and even some of us, you know. Even if some of us, you know, aren't born into as much wealth, a lot of us were always born with a roof over our heads. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, we always have, you know, both our parents. Well, you know, a lot of us, not all of us, do. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, we always we generally have dinner every night. You know, simple things like that. And I definitely think they're things that are mostly taken for granted. But mm-hmm. I know a lot of us also born in that middle class area where you know we do have excess wealth and we can have nice things and right. we're, we're kind of born a little bit with this sense of privilege and entitlement like hey mm-hmm. i deserve this right. you know just because i was born on this planet which at the end of the day that's all bullshit we're all, we're born here we're all born here we all die like we're all the same at the end of the day exactly. and we aren't entitled to anything you know we have this illusion that we are exactly. from our upbringing but we're not when we do want something we actually have to go out and get it yep. so i think I think it's very interesting, you know, from your from where you were born on your side of the world and your circumstances. Very early on, you already had to have that mindset because, yeah. I mean, as you you've told me in the past, you know, you were born from nothing. Well, not born from nothing, but you know, your family had nothing. Had nothing, and you had to work very hard. Did you have to start working at a young age as well? Ah, uh, no. Uh, that's that's one thing my parents made sure of that I don't have to work. uh they always emphasized on education like if you if you study early on and you get good education early on uh yeah it's it's not going to be easy it's not going to be easy that's that's one thing my father kept saying then there is one of my uh, my mother's pet code and she says like if if her studying was easy everyone would do it <laughs> <laughs> so and then she was like you know if you if you you need to put in yards you need you need to put in effort and that that's one thing that she always emphasized on and she was like you can you can work on later in life but what what matters right now is that you get you get uh the good quality of education you get really good quality of education and that's going to help you later on in life yeah, yeah. It, i mean education definitely it's going to help everybody in life i suppose yeah. i'd probably say the only thing um it's a bit sad is i guess a lot of people stop their education after school mm-hmm. i think um maybe what we could use is people continuing their education which i see a bit more of an emphasis on but 
sorry, that's just a little side ramble. Yeah. Now, here's something I wanted to ask you. So right before we started recording this interview, you said that every day you were taking punches from life until yeah. about the age of 15. 15 yeah. Can you tell us about some of those punches that you used to take on a regular <laughs> basis? Like what was something that regularly would come up and hit you and you'd be like, oh man, like, <laughs> tell us about these punches you were taking. Uh, yeah, so like I said early on, uh, I mean, uh, we, uh, you know, certain people are born into comfort zone and then they sort of try to get out of it to get something in life. It was the other way around for me. I was born in a discomfort zone, if, if, if you may. And there was no comfort in that zone, absolutely no comfort at all. And my goal was to get out of that comfort, uh, discomfort zone and move on to a comfort zone. Uh, which of course has its challenges on the way that you don't, it's like I said, like if you want to get from point A to point B, where point B has better prospect and you obviously will have some challenges across the way. So yeah, I mean, uh, life kept throwing punches and I kept taking it until I was 15 and until at the age of 15, I realized for the first time that, okay, things around me are getting, uh, comfortable. And like, uh, so, so some of the punches that life threw at me was, uh, you know, uh, having to live through uh, school with minimal uh, amenities. I mean, I, I, people would get books uh, fresh and first hand. I, I, I had to buy books that are second hand or third hand because they were cheaper, right? And obviously they come, when you, when you use something that is second hand or third hand, it obviously has uh, degraded over time, right? Uh, and even the syllabus, uh, the syllabus keeps changing, right? So you might not have the same chapter in the in the new book. So yeah, that that was quite a challenge to get through that, and uh, and just the quality of food that we're eating was not really uh, <laughs> uh, was not really uh, you know A grade. So yeah, we had to compromise on basic things in life, you know, sanitation, food, uh, clothing. I mean, things that everyone should deserve and everyone deserves and should have. You know, uh, health, uh, healthcare options and stuff like that. We had to, uh, we had to always choose for the the the, the lowest possible option, the, the the cheapest possible option. Which obviously, if it's cheap, it's not going to be of good quality. So that those some some of the things that uh, you know punches, if you may, <laughs> that I had to take on my face on every day. Uh, yeah, I mean, just just compromising in life, just to keep. There, there were a lot of compromises. You always had to settle for less. But at the same time, keep your chin up and keep moving forward. I mean, yeah, I think that's that's something that, uh, that sort of built that mindset in me. Like, you know, hey, I'm not going to die today. I yeah. have to live. I, I need to live another day to fight. You, I don't want to give up today. I'm going to live another day to fight. And this kept on. And days went by, weeks went by, months, years. And now we are here. <laughs> comfort zone. But then, yeah, when once you step into that comfort zone and you start getting cozy and comfy, that's when, you know, realize like, that's when stagnancy creeps in and you know, like you don't start you just settle in there like you're just not doing anything you're not doing much and that's when you start getting stagnant and that's when you know, again you need to hustle and keep on moving forward so that you keep climbing the ladder of life so what did you do to plan on starting to hustle again so you obviously realize complacency isn't something for you yeah. and you want to try and get more out of it so what did you start doing so that's when I started my first business uh, and this is uh during 2005, 2006 or 2005. So how old are you then? Uh, I was 15. I was 15. I was in 10th standard. I was 15. 
you started your first business at 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Natural entrepreneur. What, what, <laughs> what was the business? Uh, so this was a time when, when the computers, personal, the, the, the era of personal computers was uh, around and everyone was buying one. Everyone wanted to have a personal computer at home. So I was like, fine. And uh, I just happened to open mine once. I'm like, it wasn't, something wasn't working in it. And just, I was like, I'll fix it myself. I'll do it myself. So I just opened up my old computer and I saw how things were inside and I identified the different parts. I was like, I can build this. I can build this. This seems easy. So you didn't have any guides? You just took your computer apart and figured yeah, it yeah, out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't oh, Google anything? No, nothing. We didn't have Google. wasn't really <laughs> efficient. In 2005, I mean, yeah, you get a bit of information. Yeah, but. Nah. <laughs> wasn't, yeah, I, I did. I did Google a few things like the, what, what is an SMPS or what's a motherboard and how, th- how cables go around uh, in, in a PC and what needs to connect where and stuff like that. But yeah, rest of it, I figured it on my own. So, but then I was like, yeah, I, I think I can build this. I think I can build it. And so I uh, went around asking people if somebody wanted uh, to buy a PC and then happened to be one of my uncle. Uh, he wanted to buy a PC for his son. I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll get it for you. I'll make it for you. Uh, you just give me uh, a certain cut out of it and we'll be happy. We will both have happy days. He's like, fine, do it. So that's when I made my first PC and uh, he gave me, uh, I think he gave me uh, 2000 uh, rupees, which is, uh, <laughs> which is 40 bucks. $40. <laughs> which is $40 in first, Australian, yeah. First sale. Yeah, in, in that time's money, in that time's money. 2000, 200 rupees in that time, $40 in that time's money. I don't know if, if, if much has changed since 2004. Has it? Um, honestly. Not a lot. Probably like a little bit, but okay. I'm okay. not sure how relative it would be to how much 2000 rupees would be in India now. But, yeah. And then. Yeah, still the same. <laughs> and how long did you carry on this business for? Like? Uh, so I, I did this for a year and a half and I went on from uh, making one PC a day uh, to, you know, I was, I was making uh, 80, 85 a week. And selling them to small businesses and shops and uh, government offices. So yeah, it was it was it was a good piece of uh, it was good. It was I would say I invested my time well. Yeah. In that, yeah. And you would have, I'm guessing you would have learned a lot as well very yeah. early on about yeah, yeah, business. Yeah. Like what kind of things were you learning as you were doing this for a year and a half? Was there anything significant you learned that you still apply today? Or uh, one of the learnings that I took away from it was to invest in people. And uh, not invest in uh, technologies and all that stuff. If you invest in somebody, if you if you if you build a contact, if you build a relation with someone, it's going to last you way longer than any technology that has been around. So if you if you build a relation with someone, and if if the person is willing to work for you, even if a new technology comes around, and that person is uh, willing to put in hours to learn that new technology and still continue working with you, I think that's 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 something that you should uh, value and cherish. Yeah, so is, yeah. building meaningful relationships exactly. and making sure you're keeping your exactly. contacts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So from entrepreneur at 15, what was next? Next, uh, so <laughs> uh, so back in India, it's it's a joke, but it's not it's not exactly true. Uh, it's true to some extent, but not not entirely. Uh, back in India, uh, an average Indian kid gets only two options. <laughs> yeah. Two options. What are they? Uh, you either become a doctor or you either become an engineer. <laughs> Doctor or engineer. Doctor or an engineer. That's the only career. That's the only career and option. Just, I'm um, sure. No, that's a joke. That's a joke. But yeah, that's 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 what most of us uh, pick. But we're still early in the computer era, or like yeah. computers and the internet's really starting to kick off around yep. this time. So, yeah, yeah. was there much faith in anything to do with that IT. type of technology in yeah. IT? Yeah, the show was. The show was, and uh, everybody was talking about IT, and everyone uh, wanted to sit in a 
four by four cubicle and make uh, mint money. And that was the that was the mindset back then. If if you get if you get placed in a in an IT company back in India and that uh, India at that time being and still being the uh, the IT hub of the world, uh, IT was IT had amazing prospects and still has amazing prospects back in India. So I think that's something that really motivated me and me being from from uh, me having done this little business that had a little bit to do with with IT and computers. I thought that this would be a very lucrative uh, pathway for me in future, so I just picked it up. I was like, "Let's do it," and uh, yeah, so that's where that's that's where the journey began of you know setting foot out of your comfort zone. That's when I that's when I had to leave home, go to a different state. My because my university was in a different state, so yeah. I, was, I wasn't living with my parents anymore. I had to live in a dorm on campus, and yeah, that's that's that was the first time I really stepped out of my uh, the comfort zone that I I thought I, I thought I had built. Uh, and that's when that's when life hit hit me really hard and I was like wow <laughs> so, so you moved out of home how old were you at this point 18 18 what and you said it hit you really hard what oh. hit you really hard when you moved out of home the whole thing i mean india is a very diverse country uh, if you if you travel 40 kilometers you'll have new culture new food new way of clothing new lifestyle new everything new language i mean it's india is really diverse but and i had leaped over five states so I went from South India, North India to uh, to South India, and the culture down there is entirely different. It was a cultural shock for me. It took me uh, almost a year to settle in. I uh, everything was new for me. Everything, the way people, the mannerisms, uh, culture, language, lifestyle, uh, the outlook that people had towards life was everything was different. So I, it took me a while to get uh, you know accustomed to it, or uh, it took me a while to acclimatize myself to that environment. But yeah, it was fun. Uh, I learned a lot of things. The learning curve was very steep. I had a very steep learning curve. There was there was no time to you know sit back and relax and take life as it comes day by day. I was like there, there was no time for that. I had to you know. Uh... Hey guys, are you enjoying today's show? If so, do us a favor: screenshot you listening to this on your smartphone and then upload it to your Instagram story and tag me at Galloway's underscore take. You guys have no idea how much it would mean if you could do this for me. As we are just starting out, I'm trying to get as much exposure as I possibly can. And if you are enjoying, why not share it with the people that you know? So, hey, make sure you put that on your Instagram feed and I promise I will reshare it myself. Now, back to today's show. The challenge there was uh, so when, I, when I was in college and uh, doing my undergrad, the biggest challenge was uh, the language. Uh, Everybody around me uh, either spoke to each other in, in, the, in the local language or, or English and uh, I wasn't used to both of them because back home, why would I bother speaking in English because everyone around me spoke Hindi. So it's like, let's talk to you. Like, I mean, if you speak in English, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if the person next to you can speak your native tongue, why would you <laughs> speak to them in a foreign language? It doesn't make sense, does it? So yeah, so for the first 18 years of my life, I was pretty much used to uh, using uh, Hindi on, on a day-to-day basis. And yeah, I would use English, but very, uh, very minimal use of, of English. Um, but but when, I, when I used to, uh, when I, sorry, but when I moved to uh, my college, my university, everyone around me was either speaking English or, or their own local language. And I was like, and uh, yeah, but English wasn't really, I wouldn't say English was the best way of communication uh, because... Most of the people I wanted to talk to were not really, uh, didn't really have a good command on, on English. So getting your thoughts across and understanding somebody else's thoughts was a challenge. So I was like, okay, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm going to learn their language. 
which wasn't easy i'll tell you it wasn't easy at all so it took me uh, i think it took me three semesters to speak my to frame my first sentence in in their local language it took me three semesters three sem- that's that about how many so what is that one and a half years yeah one yeah. and a half 18, 18 months it took me 18 months to to be able to frame the first sentence in their native tongue and then i think you also told me you you can speak you're fluent in nine languages nine now languages, yeah fluent in nine languages and what what does learning another language um do to you do to you yeah. yeah see learning new languages exposes you to new cultures new school schools of thoughts new perspectives to life uh new ideologies new literature uh and when you are exposed to a certain lit- uh, to literature from a certain language that helps you understand their history a little better and that sort of you know and then you can go on and connecting dots and understand why people are today the way they are and why they have a certain mindset and that sort of helps you better make better friends right uh and make quality friends if i may and yeah that's that's the whole thing i mean you can and you can you can even it it helps you survive it's it's it i i look at it as a survival it's a survival thing it's it's a survival instinct i mean if i am thrown out uh so i i can also speak a bit of tamil so if i had to live in northern part of sri lanka which is outside india i can survive i i mean i i would not be stuck in a place where everyone around me speaks a different language and i cannot communicate with them and get me at least to the closest point of help so i i look at it i look at it, it that way but yes other things like you said you know what it does to you it it sort of it expands your horizon it 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 opens helps your mind a bit it, it opens your mind a bit and it uh, it helps you you start valuing you start uh, having more value for other cultures and other uh, you know uh, other people uh, people from different communities i mean when you when you engage into their lifestyle you understand how they uh, live their life it it sort of it helps you uh, understand their values and you can uh, you know uh, i'm not i'm not finding the right word for it you start you start this you start respecting somebody else's opinions uh, on life yeah so you're not just more set in your own opinions exactly. here you exactly. can take the time to you know think about what someone says and be like okay that's why they exactly yeah exactly and just briefly um i just want to touch on it again can you just reel off what are the nine languages that you can speak ah okay so uh, i speak sanskrit because i was born into a brahmin hindu family so sanskrit is a must so because all the uh, the old uh, old uh, ancient literature in hinduism was written in uh, uh sanskrit so that 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 that's a given so any 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 person born in a brahmin hindu family will know sanskrit <laughs> and then there's kashmiri which is my mother tongue uh hindi english uh dogri and punjabi and uh, dogri and punjabi are spoken in jammu that's the place we migrated to from kashmir when we had to leave because of terrorism so they have the people speak uh, uh people in jammu speak two uh, major languages uh, dogri and punjabi and then i moved uh, to uh, karnataka which is a, a, a state in southern india and uh, the place i was in had a local language called tulu and uh, the, uh, the language that is spoken uh, across karnataka is kannada so that's eight and then i moved to chennai uh, for for work when i finally got placed in an it company i had to move to chennai for work and then i picked up tamil so these are the nine languages i speak and apart from that i, I speak a little bit i can understand a little bit spanish a little bit of spanish as well <laughs> is that one just for the spanish ladies or <laughs> well, that's how i learned it though 
Yeah. Okay, so then continue on. So you studied in India for a while, and then where where did that and where did you end up? So how did you end up in Australia? I guess would be my next question. Right. So I always wanted to do my masters, and uh, I was exploring options. I uh, where to where to go next, and you know, uh, which which country or which university would be a good option for me to uh, pursue my masters in. Uh, I worked for uh, I worked in IT for five years, uh, and then after that, I felt like okay, I I think I understand how things work. I know the business and all that stuff, but I need to learn more in life, because uh, that's that's something that always stayed with me. Uh, never settle for less. Uh, that's that's something that my father kept telling me. Never settle for less. The moment you the moment you start feeling that you are comfortable, move out of it. That's something my father kept telling me. It's like the moment you start feeling comfortable in life, the moment you feel okay, I have everything. That's when there's something more. Out there that you should have, that you should learn. So, should. so, so yeah. When you're getting comfortable, it's like no, let's not do that. Let's exactly. push harder. Exactly. Work harder. Exactly. And I think oh, what was it? I heard a great quote the other day. It was like, um, it slipped my mind. We'll, we'll get back to that later. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> forget, forget about that quote. Um, so yeah, so you're so you're on your way to Australia. You get to study your masters. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so then I was like looking at the US and Princeton and all those universities. Like, uh, but uh, then I, I picked up Australia because I was I did some research and I, I read an article about Melbourne being uh, the most livable city in the world and how student friendly it is. And I was like, it seems like a fun culture to be in. Let's let's go for it. And uh, so yeah, so I landed up here. I ended up here and. Uh, Started, uh, I think it started back in July 2017, and uh, it's been three semesters now. And uh, I'm trying to learn a new language here, but there's no one around <laughs> who can teach me a new language. Continue on with the Spanish, I'd say. Uh, that's a that's a good language to have. It's one of the most sure spoken is, languages. Sure is, yeah, in it the world. is. It sure is. It sure is. And but yeah, I haven't had uh, the other the other things that keep me occupied now. Uh, I guess I have. I, I think I had more time back in the day. For all these uh, side tasks, uh, side errands, if you may. <laughs> but yeah, I think now things have uh, there are there are things that take more of my bandwidth now. I we have very little bandwidth for uh, doing. <laughs> Trying to learn another yeah, language. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but but I but I've picked on some slang here, some Aussie slang. Oh yeah. What's yeah. what's your favorite Aussie slang? My favorite Aussie slang should be would be uh, fair income. <laughs> fair income. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. It's fair income. Yep. Yeah. Um, and just in terms of like being in Australia now, how does what you see in Australia and our culture differ from the environment, more specifically the environment you grew up in when you were a lot. You know, and you're living more in like a poverty type environment. Like, how yeah. does it, how does it differ? Would you say? Oh, it's 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 like two different worlds. It's two different worlds. It's as different as things can be. Uh, there is a huge, there's a massive uh, economic gap. I mean, it's not the same anymore. But I mean, back in the day, yes, it was. Uh, and the thing with economy is like it, it drives everything else your healthcare other options the, the quality of food quality of life all those things are attached to that so yeah, just that that one thing small thing is like not in the right place and everything else around it affects gets affected you know and just being able to not have the quality of healthcare uh, because that's that's something that's really essential for for life 
Yeah, healthcare right. is very important. Very basic things in life. Water, the quality of water. Mm-hmm. You can you can drink right from the tap here. Yeah. If you do that back in India, you will definitely die. <laughs> definitely die. <laughs> definitely die, or at least get a very uh, uh, I don't know. Some you you will at least get a bad stomach to begin with. Mm-hmm. You'll definitely get a very upset belly. So what do you eat like boiling water and then drinking yeah, it after filter boiled, it, filter it, boil it, do whatever. Water. Yeah. yeah. Well, b- bottled water was not an option because <laughs> we yeah. didn't, we didn't, yeah, we weren't exactly, you know, uh, didn't exactly have that kind of money lying around. And uh, yeah, so we had to boil water or, or filter it or some, some sort of uh, cleansing process had to be uh, done before you could drink that water. But yes, it's very little things in life that we don't really uh, appreciate and have uh, value for. Very, 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 like, like the very trivial things. Water. That's that's the most basic basic necessity it's, for anyone. It's the only to thing live. you need to survive. Exactly. I mean, that's the most basic thing you need to survive: food and water. And if you don't have that, those two things right in place, then <laughs> yeah, everything else becomes a challenge. Because if you're not getting the right kind of diet, right kind of food supplies and stuff, that affects everything else around you. Yeah. And would you say over here in Australia, is do you see much of a different like perspective or outlook in life with the people over here as opposed to when you were growing up? Like, yeah, yeah, the show is the show is not not a lot, not a lot, but yeah, a few things. Are, of course, the culture is different. That has its own, you know, uh, differences there, and the way people look at life is different. I mean, back in India, if you if you're a middle class family, it's more about you know. Uh, getting to the next level and finding uh, comfort and stuff like that and so and people who are uh, below that line i mean it's it's for them it's a day to day struggle i've 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 seen people living off a dollar a day that's 50 bucks in india i've seen people living off a dollar a day dollar a day what well, well, what can you get for a dollar a day i, I mean see the the, the 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 thing about cities in india is people of all uh, economic brackets or wealth brackets can live if you even if you're below poverty line you can live even if you are uh, the wealthiest person in the city you can you can live there live in the same city that's the, the the gradient is really extreme you can you can people from people earning 50 bucks a day in indian rupees or let's to dollars people earning a dollar a day uh, live in very miserable circumstances and then you just move all the way up to people earning uh, $1000 a day i mean the gradient is really i mean it's, it's you can you can the, the spectrum is quite vast mm. you see all sorts of people living in the same city another difference that i find in perspective is people enjoy life here people people have people uh, or maybe the reason they are able to enjoy life is because they have not s- seen struggle there was not much to fight for yeah because uh, I mean the systems here are so nice uh, the government systems here are so nice that you just you just have everything you need even if you are uh, there's centrelink right even if you uh, uh, you know are not making enough you still have government supporting you you don't have like that something like that back in india mm-hmm. right so the, the things like that you know and people enjoy life here uh, but but back in back, back in where i was from it was all about survival it was you, there was you could not have the slightest thought of enjoying the day there was no such thing as enjoying the day not at all not at all there was nothing that you'd look forward to at the end of a long day <laughs> sleeping in the bed sleeping a roof yeah. over your head was the the end goal by the end of the day you should have a comfortable place to sleep 
Yeah. And I mean, I guess here what we have is, I don't know, we have a lot of, we have a lot of different forms of entertainment. I exactly. Mean, we all have a lot of free exactly. time. The Even, idea of good time, the idea of having a good time is very different. Was is very different. I mean, if you if I tell you, hey Zach, I think we had a good time last night, or we had a good great time last evening, which would mostly when we went out, we had a couple of drinks and stuff. We we have had a gala time, right? Mean something like that. But if I said something back, uh, if I said something like this back in where I'm from, like I had an amazing time, which would be now I, I probably would have had a, a good meal or had a nice sleep or something like that. I mean, that's a that's a that's a that's a contrast. You can see the contrast there, right? That's that's a huge difference. And having the idea of having a good time is so different. Or I mean, it it would it is same back in India now, but back in the day when I was growing up or when I was in those circumstances, I mean, the idea of having a good time would would mean that. You know, uh, I slept well, or I had, I had, a, I had a satisfying meal. Good food, good yeah. rest. Yeah, yeah. Some nice clean water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then I guess what else I wanted to touch on here was you did some aid work. Yep. Well, do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. Uh, so I think I was in Chennai. Uh, yeah, I was in Chennai in two thousand December of two thousand fifteen or sixteen. Fifteen. December 2015 and uh, some really massive uh, flash floods hit the city, entire city and most of it was underwater uh, and these were like one of the worst floods Chennai has had in the past 100 years and uh, Chennai is a kind of city that doesn't really need uh, a drainage system because it does not really rain too much and having all that water at once and the lack of uh, drainage system made matters worse. So everybody was stuck. People, businesses were shut down. Uh, schools were shut down. Hospitals, some even even some hospitals had to. Uh, so just to clarify, this is flooding. There was flooding. Yes, there was flooding, and then people uh, formed rescue groups and stuff like that. So I was part of one of those. Uh, I and a friend, few friends of mine, uh, we got uh, supplies, food, uh, you know, basic things like you know, food, uh, biscuits, milk. Uh, some snacks, something to eat, some ready to cook food and all that. And uh, 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 those nappies uh, for, for babies and, and sanitary pads for women if, if anybody was in need of those. So sort of started making the supply boxes and started uh, sort of, you know, getting it from point A to point B to people who were actually were in need. And we were coordinating with different NG, uh, non-government organizations, NGOs, and we were different, uh, coordinating with more groups of people and with the Indian Army. Uh, to get all these uh, supplies to people who were in need and uh, there was this program where you could enlist yourself and you could help the army uh, go into places as, as a civilian you could help the army and you know go into places and help uh, extract people uh, who were stuck in debris or who were stuck in uh, places they couldn't get out of from so I, I spent I think I spent uh, four days there uh, help, uh, doing all that aid work so I mean, it's the the idea of giving back, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, you are now you are happy. You have you are in the comfort zone. Somebody is not. Try helping. Uh, try helping. I mean, that's the whole thing. Uh, try to give it give back to community. The, the idea of giving back to community is something that we need in life. And why do you think helping people is so important? Because I remember the day when I was I needed help. I would have really appreciated it. I miss it. That's okay. Continue. Uh, when I, I remember the day when I was, uh, you know, uh, in in need, and I would have really appreciated if somebody would have come and helped me. So yeah, I mean, the, the the idea of giving back when you have something in, in surplus or when you have something uh, insufficiency, it's always nice to give back. It's always nice to give. It sort of helps 
uh, it it helps make someone someone else's day or life better yeah and is there anything you do at the moment actively to try and help other people in need or uh right as of today yeah like anything you're doing at the moment uh, i mean i i mean some not something in this capacity but uh, at the moment i'm i'm part of a peer mentor program here at monash university uh peer mentoring is about you know uh, helping new students uh, new international students settle in uh, at monash and in melbourne uh, so that they can you know it it sort of it sort of gives them a cushion uh, for, for that a cushion for the punch that's for, on for its the way. punch yeah, for the punch <laughs> that's on its way and for, for the cultural shock obviously that they uh, will experience in the coming weeks uh, so yeah i think that sort of that sort of engagement with with uh, people coming in people who are fresh off the you know uh, hook and sort of helping them hey it's okay i'm there for you relax if something goes wrong let me know we'll help it, we'll help you we'll sort it out for you and 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 the thing about uh, peer mentoring is like it uh, we help we sort of try to help even at uh, personal level if somebody somebody's having a bad time or somebody's feeling low just hang out with them have a chat let yeah. me know if something's bothering you see if i can help you in something like that yeah see <coughs> i'm a big believer in um helping people and giving back i mean especially in our society i think a lot of people do have enough wealth that they can at least give something right i think the other thing that gets lost is you don't always have to give money you can exactly. you can give back to people in a yeah. whole matter of ways yeah. it can be through your just time. be compassionate be compa- compassion give your time it could be your time i mean you might have a skill that you could help somebody else exactly. learn you know you might mentor somebody <coughs> i mean there's a, you might go volunteer i don't know you to do I don't know you could do volunteering loads of different places yeah, you sure can. feed some homeless people yeah whole yeah. matter of things like you could do and I find myself like in times when I've gone out and I've actively done things to help people whether it be you know just randomly you know buying a homeless person a meal I or, do that all the time yeah I mean I I, one thing I don't understand <laughs> in Melbourne excuse me it's okay so in Hobart we do have homeless people but you mm-hmm. don't necessarily see them a lot and i think one of my biggest culture shocks being in melbourne is just the amount of homeless people on the street so i mean oh yeah i mean i on a few times you know i've gone out and i've you know just seen one and, in the and i'm going in yeah and i'm going into a store i'll come out you know i'll hand them i'll buy them something like in the store hand it to them and you know it's straight away it's almost feels like it's a blessing it's like you know it's like and always always trying to like you know have maybe a brief word of them because i think especially to a lot of people in that situation it's very hopeless situation and sometimes you know not i mean the statistics 99% of homeless people are going to stay homeless but the 1% that get out of there you know they they're going to need some help they're going to need encouragement so i'm always you know trying to that's that's a good thing that i mean that's that's a, that's a really kind thing that you do i mean that and if you can if you can spread that if you can make more people aware of it I mean that's that's just amazing. That just what, makes your life complete. And what I what I what I don't understand though is every single I don't always do that. I do that sometimes. I mean sometimes I don't always do that, but you know when I can I try. But what I don't really understand is like just how easily people ignore them on the street. Like mm. so many people just walk past them and you know when I talk to other people about you know the homeless people around, people are just like, "Oh, well, they got themselves there. Oh, they're probably into drugs. Oh, well, it's this, it's that." It's Mm-hmm. I mean none of that really matters to me at the end of the day. I don't understand how so many people can just walk past them on the street and not think twice. Like every time I see one of them it's like heart goes out to them. Yeah, it's it like, does, wow. it does. Sure and, it does. And even if they screw their life up, I mean, does not Everyone deserves a second chance. Yeah. 
second chance, second third chance, thousand chance. We're human. Yeah. We all screwed up. Imagine if all of us, I want, I want people listening to think about this for a moment. Imagine if all of us were accountable for every bad thing that we've done in our life. Oh. Imagine we didn't get away with anything that we've done. We would all end up in hell. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer <laughs> oh wow I think that, I think that's a good note to end it on really I think yeah. this has been a great conversation but oh thanks Zach. it's been really good but I want to just say one more thing and this was something you said to me over the phone when we were planning this interview and it's something that really rings true to me and that is you said this to me life is the gift and it's I think that's what people just need to be reminded of sometimes gratefulness is very important life is the gift itself you know and sure actually, we're nearly done. I just remembered. A couple more questions. Yeah, sure. All right. What is your biggest regret so far in life, if you have any? Ooh, okay. Uh, my biggest regret would be uh, I had a chance, I had a, uh, I had a chance uh, to join the Indian Army, Indian Armed Forces. And... Uh, <laughs> uh, because that's that's the highest form of service there is. I mean, if you, if you if you can serve the nation, if you can give back to the nation that gave you so much, that's that's just that's, there's no bigger service than giving back to the people. Because army, it's it, the people have wrong a wrong idea about army. People uh, army is just not for fighting wars. Army helps in uh, building communication communication towers. It helps uh, build hospitals, schools, bridges, roads, whatnot, all sorts of things. So it's it's a way of giving back to people. And I had I had a very amazing opportunity to join the army. I was almost through. I was through, to be honest. And uh, but I, being the only child, my parents have. My mother was a little bit, you know, yeah, don't go to the army and stuff like that. Because I don't know, she had her own concerns. So that I mean, that I and I changed my mind. I didn't want to sort of you know upset her or whatever. And and I didn't I didn't join the army. I went uh, and I joined an IT job. So, yeah, I think that that's something that some, but I but I've I've still not deviated very far from the idea of giving back. I yeah. still I still try to give back to people in whatever capacity possible. But yeah, I think that's that's that that is I think one of the small regrets I have in life. Yeah, but and here's my follow up question to that, and that is, would you change that if you could? I guess no. I'm happy the way things have turned out, and yeah, I I, I wouldn't change the day. I, yeah. I wouldn't change the day. I think, I think I'm happy happy with the day things have turned out. I think that's a that's a kind of a good sort of perspective to have. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, life happens the way it's supposed to go, and yeah. when the difficult times hit, take that as a lesson because yeah. all. I mean, if there's one thing that you it doesn't take you know a lot of digging to find this out. It's that you know through every failure comes growth. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, for and sure. the tougher the challenge, the more the growth. It's just a matter of getting up afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Life will keep throwing punches at you, and it'll keep you. Uh, and, and there was this beautiful quote that I read somewhere. Was like, you know, what? Uh, oh man, I forgot the quote as well. <laughs> it was about, you know, it was about how your glory isn't is not in uh, falling when you take a punch and hit the ground. It's okay, but your glory lies in getting back up. Yeah, and you know, uh, taking the fight to the next day. As the song go again, I get knocked down, <laughs> I get up again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and last question, just very quickly, what's the future plans for you? The future what plans. What do we expect for the follow-up podcast? What What should we be looking forward to? Uh, the future plans would be to you know first wrap up this degree that I've you know uh, delved myself into, 
and uh, then yeah I, and try to sort of expand the business a bit more and uh, and get to talk to you again <laughs> i look i look forward to it like what i me too oh no we'll say we'll, i'm i'm imagining we'll have a follow up interview it's and that is the conclusion of today's show. Um, interview kind of ended slightly abruptly, but we basically wrapped it up. So I hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did and you made it this far, I want to thank you for making it this far. It means so much to me. And also, don't forget to give us a rating and a review. Now, go out there, go enjoy your day and live life to the fullest.